Hi, and welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be both encouraged and challenged to step into what God has in store for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Chloe. So we'll go to the Word and I invite you to stand and uh, we'll place ourselves before the Lord as we want to hear from Him. Father God, we thank you so much that you are in this place and that you are so faithful and you're so good. And that you, uh, you view us and you love us and you consider us the apple of your eye. And, and you gave your son so that we can be reconciled with you. And, and your heart is to be close to us. And your heart is to be involved in our lives and to walk with us. So we open up our hearts to what you want to say. We choose to, to open up our hearts this morning. We say yes to what you want to convey to us. Lord, I just pray that my heart, that our hearts would be open to Uh, the seed, uh, what you want to say. And may you go beyond my words, Father. May you filter in in in, as you do so well by Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. So be glorified as we go to your word this morning. And we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we are in the series of heroes, and I heard the boys did a fantastic job on heroes, right? What a great, story, what a great uh, series, because it gives us the possibility of going through the Bible and looking at different scenarios, different stories, especially when it comes to the Old Testament. Um, what I, who I would like to talk on uh, this morning is, uh, is the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah is, uh, is a great prophet. It's, he's called a major prophet because he has uh, a lot of writings. Um, he's one that wrote one of the longest books. He doesn't have the most chapters, but his, his chapters are longer. And uh, he was a man of influence. He made a big difference in his time. And he lived around 600 B.C. And he, and he ministered under seven kings. And uh, so his ministry was about 40-some years so it was for a long time. He really had an impact. He was uh, influential. And he ministered in a time where it was very difficult for Israel. What happened is that there was this great war between the Babylonians and the Egyptians. And Israel is right in between. It became the battleground or battlefield uh, between these superpower nations. And so what happened is that the Babylonians wanted to come down and, and the Egyptians wanted to go up. And what was in between? Israel. And at that time, Israel was basically destroyed. The only tribes remaining was Judah and Benjamin. So it's called Judah. So Judah was able, in the, and when the Assyrians came the first time, what they did is they turned to the Lord, they relied on the Lord, and they were, uh, and they were um, spared from the judgment of, uh, of God when it came to how they lived their lives. And so what happened is that now the Babylonians were knocking at the door of Jerusalem, wanting to destroy Jerusalem. And the prophet Jeremiah was sent to uh, invite the people to turn back to God. If you look at the, t- the theme of the book of Jeremiah, when I was in seminary Bible college, I majored on Jeremiah, and uh, I really loved this book, so it was fun for me just to, uh, just to take some truth of this, of this book. But the theme of the book of Jeremiah is God saying, come back to me, my people. Come back to me, my people. And also the second thing that you find in the book of Jeremiah is God saying that I will always be there when you turn back. I will always be there when you t- turn back. So that was the message that Jeremiah had to the people. He was saying, hey, come back. Come back to me. Return to me. And the thing is, when it comes to God, God was always there. God was always present. And sometimes, some, sometimes I hear, well, God is cruel. It's, he seems to be cruel 
in the Old Testament. Like he kills people here, he kills people there, and, and it's not the same message that you find in the gospel. It's so not true. Because when you look at the story of God, God's love in the book of Jeremiah, he's after, he's looking forward for a relationship, but he's not forcing relationship on no one. He's saying to Israel, or Judah at that time, Judah, I want to walk with you. I want to love on you. I want to protect you. I want to shelter you. But you want me to do that. And Judah decided not to. Judah decided to say, hey, we're going to do it on our own. And so God said, if you want to be on your own, okay, I'm going to let you go. It's like the story of the prodigal son, right? Where the prodigal son leaves and he goes on his own. But when the prodigal son decides to return home, what happens? Right? The father is waiting for him. And he's there to love on him and so on. It's the same story when it comes to the book of Jeremiah or the story of, the, of Judah when it comes to Jeremiah. You have this verse that gives a snapshot of where the people were when Jeremiah did ministry. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, it says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have uh, dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So, so this text talks about God said, I want to be your living water. I want to be your answer. I want to be your solution. I want to be in your life. But you decided to reject me, and you decided to build your life according to your own ways. Uh, focus on your own strength. Focus on who you are and what you can do on your own. And so the consequence of that is that they became a prey to the Babylonians and the Egyptians. So what happened is that in the ministry, in the time that Jeremiah did ministry, Jerusalem was destroyed, was, was burnt, and the temple was destroyed, and the walls were destroyed, and the people were bought, brought in captivity. This is where you hear about the story of Daniel that was in captivity in Babylon. So that's a snapshot. That's the context of the book. What I'd like to focus on, on this morning is the hero that is called Jeremiah. But the, re, the real hero, when it comes to biblical, from a biblical view, a biblical perspective, a hero is not what we can do for God, but what God can do through us. That's a hero. And next week we'll talk about the ultimate hero, Jesus. But the reality of being a hero in the view of the Gospels or the view of the Bible is not what we can do for God but it's what God can do through us. And that opens up a, a huge door, a bigger door. If it would be based on what I can do for God, it would be very limited, right? But it's not based on what I can do for God. It's about what God can do through me. And God is the God of the impossibilities. God is the God of multiplication. That means I'm a candidate, and you're a candidate to see God do beyond what we can do or what we can imagine, right? Right? So can you tell your neighbor that God is a big God? He's, got a, he's a big God. So being a hero is not about focusing on the flesh and focusing on our own effort and focusing on who, what we can bring to the, to, to the table. Being a hero is to realize that you're a candidate. You are a vessel. You can be a person that God flows through. And that's exactly what happened to Jeremiah. God came to him, God revealed himself to him and showed him that, hey, I can do this through you. And if you have your Bible, take a look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. 
It's a little snapshot of his calling. And it's kind of funny, when you look at his calling and how it happened when he was sent or called to be the prophet to the nations, uh, we can find ourselves in this picture. And we can find ourselves, uh, we can find ourselves, uh, we can find an image of ourselves in this. Maybe not being a prophet to the nations, but definitely be an influencer. And if take a look at, we're going we're gonna to read Jeremiah 1, 4 to 9. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the wombs, In the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Okay, remember this. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. God appointed him. I believe that God appoints us. Maybe not prophet to nations, but he all appoints us. No one of us were called to be without influence, right? We're all called to be influencers. Family, friends, church, community, work, business, we're all called to leave an impact or to, to leave a trail or, or to be a blessing. And he says to him, I've called you to make a difference. So I've appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And look his response. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. Excuse, right? God calls you? God says, you, I'm calling you to be an awesome husband. I'm calling you to be an awesome wife. I'm calling you to be a godly father, mother, a godly believer and all that. And, and, and the thing is, sometimes what happens is that we feel I can't, right? I look at the call and actually before, uh, before I went on holidays, I was looking at going to four services and I said, God, I don't think I can. And then I hear this, this saying here where... He says, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. And the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. Because you're not alone in the picture. It's not about you. We, made it, we make it all about us. We make it all about us. But it's not about us. It's about what God can do. I think that's so fantastic. It's so encouraging. It's such a motivation for us to do what we're called to do because it's not what we can do, but it's what God can do. So he said, um, he said but the Lord said to me, do not, uh, do not say I'm, I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. In other words, just do it. Just do it. Do not be afraid of them, for I will be with you and I will rescue you. And saying that there's going to be some issues and challenges like you get married, you start a business, you, you raise kids, right? It's so exciting, but so challenging, right? But you can do it because I'm with you. And he says here, Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. And what God is doing here, he's equipping him. So the thing is, this is a snapshot of life. This is, my, this is my testimony, and that's your testimony too, where God calls you, appoints you, places you, and he wants to work through your life. And my response is, I can't. It's beyond what I can do. It's beyond my pedigree. Oh, I can do it. I can do it. I want to quit. I want to throw the towel. And, that, and God comes to me and says, hey, I will be with you. I'm with you. I will supply to your needs, you know. And he says, hey, get, get with it. Do it. Uh, and at the same time, when you're going to experience challenges and when it's going to be rough, I will sustain you. I will keep you. It seems to be a snapshot of life, right? It seems to be a, to be a snapshot of life. And, and I want to be like that. I, I, want to, I, I want to realize I'm called by God. I want to realize that I can't, but I can. It's kind of a, a paradox. I can't, but I can. Right? Can, can you say that to your neighbor? I can't, but I can. I can't. 
I can't, but I can, right? I can't do this. I can't be a pastor. I can't be a great husband. I can't be an awesome father. I can't be an influencer. I can. Woohoo! Right? <laughs> I can. I really can. That's pretty cool, right? I really can. Wow. Is it prideful to say that I can? No, because I know I can't. But I can. Right? It's amazing. It's amazing to know that, that I can. I want you to leave this place to know that you can. You can. And Jeremiah could because God was with him. And God is with you too. You can. You can be this godly man. You can be this influencer. You can make, uh, leave a trail and, and be a blessing and have an inheritance that is beyond your imagination. You can because God is with you. And that's what God conveyed to, to Jeremiah you can because I'm with you. And I want you to take a hold of this truth. Um, three main characteristics we find in Jeremiah. Three things that God made Jer- Jeremiah to be that I want to focus on uh, real quick this morning. Because I could go on on this book because there's so much to say. The first thing is Jeremiah. Jeremiah was motivated by love and truth. Or truth and love. He, he, he was balanced when it comes to his motivation. You know, I think it's important for us to talk about that. Because Jeremiah did not compromise the truth. He spoke the truth. He he did not wash down the gospel. He did not compromise the word of God. He spoke the truth. He was hated for it. He was hated to stand on God's word and to say what God told him to to, to say. And you look at Jeremiah chapter 27. He presents himself to the courts of the king with a yoke of an oxen. And he says, if we don't repent, if we don't turn to the Lord, we'll become slave to Babylon. We'll, get, we'll, be, we'll be deported. And he tells, he prophetically says what's going to happen if we, don't, if we don't repent. And there's some prophets that are there, false prophets, that are saying, it's not going to happen. It's peachy. Everything's going to be fine. And they broke his yoke saying it's not going to happen. And it did happen. And Jeremiah dared to speak out the truth and walk in the truth. And I think it's important for us as a church to know that the truth is important. That it's not just about, it's not about just acceptance. It's about walking in the truth, right? And we live in a a world today that truth is very important. Our world is in need of truth. Our world is in need to see the church stand on the truth, walk by the truth, rely on the truth, and have a covenant with the truth that is the word of God. I think it's important. To do that. Otherwise, if we don't do that, if we go and we follow the, the trail of society and we follow what makes people happy and all that, we, we, we will lose. We will lose our influence. We will lose the calling God has upon us. So first thing, Jeremiah walked by the truth, even though it was hard. And you can see an example of uh, Jeremiah in, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 18. Today I've made you strong as a fortified city that cannot be captured, like an iron pillar or a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, the kings, the official, the priests, and the people of Judah. So he was called to stand on the truth, to speak the truth. But the thing is, at the same time, he was filled with love. You know, he was not the type of a guy that sat on the sideline and pointed the finger at other ministries or other churches or other people and, and condemned and, and was legalistic. He wasn't like that. As much as he walked in the truth and he wanted to proclaim the truth and he stood by the truth, he was filled with love. He was conquered by love. He's called a weeping prophet. 
Because you look at the book of Lamentation. It's the aftermath of the destruction of Jerusalem. He wrote that book. He, 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 he laments. Is that a word? He laments before the Lord. He, he weeps. He cries because he's broken to see Judah be destroyed. And you see his heart. So he's full of truth, but full of grace and full of compassion. Realize that he continued to do ministry for 40 years. How do you do ministry for 40 years when you are put in prison? Rejected by your own family, persecuted, thrown into old cistern, you know, and, and left there. Uh, it's because he was motivated by love, but at the same time he had the truth in his bones. And I think that's kind of cool to see. Oswald Sanders described Jeremiah as a figure of bronze that dissolves into tears. As a figure of bronze that dissolves into tears. So he's full of truth, but filled with compassion. Going forward to reach out, making sure that people are hearing the truth and wanted the people to come back to God. You find Jeremiah chapter, what you find in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 19 is a snapshot of that. He says, My anguish, my anguish, I writhe or I twist in pain. All the walls of my heart, my heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silence, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. He's just broken. And he intercedes for the people. And, and, he, and he's caught by this love. And I believe that's the call of the church, right? We're called to live out the truth and live out love. It's not one or the other. It has a, to be the combination of both. That we got to show grace, right? we got to love on people. Wherever they are at, we just got to love on people. That doesn't mean that we love on people, that we were there for them, that we compromise what we believe. But I believe... That because of what we believe, we're compelled to go and share love because Jesus was like that. Right? Jesus was filled, was filled with truth and it was filled with love. So we, we, we look at Jeremiah and I believe God made him this way. I say, God, make us, fill us with your love. Amen? And, and, and fill us with your truth that we would not be bending for the sake of making people happy, but that we would stand in the truth with the desire for people to experience the greatest message ever is the love of God. The second thing that you find in Jeremiah that I think is remarkable is this persistence. Persistence is huge, right? One of the greatest characteristics in life is perseverance. Would you agree on me with that? Perseverance is so huge. Yeah, if you don't have any perseverance, you don't go anywhere. It's so easy to start things, right? It's easy to get married, right? Which should be easy anyway. Uh, it's easy to start a business. It's easy to start a regime to lose weight. <laughs> it's easy to say, I'm going to do exercise this week. It's easy to do that. But when Monday, Monday hits at 5 o'clock and you're supposed to go on that treadmill, it's a different story, right? <laughs> so the thing is, persistent is huge. And we find this characteristic in, in Jeremiah. He was persistent, like I said, for 40 years. 40 years. He was a prophet. He was mocked, not heard, and I shared this. There's a text that really shows this in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7 to verse 9. One of my favorite texts, verses in that book. It, it talks, uh, Jeremiah is talking to the Lord, and he, he shares his heart. And he says, O oh Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me, and you prevailed. Meaning that, God, you won me over. God, you won me over. And because you won me over, I've got to do what I'm called to do, but it's not easy. He says, I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I crowd proclaiming violence and destruction. 
So the word of the Lord was brought, for the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. That's not an easy thing, right? So he's, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He knows his calling. He, he, was, he, was, um, he was approached by the Lord and he said yes to it. And now the challenge is that whenever he speaks, uh, there's a position and challenges. So it says in verse 9, But I say, I will not mention of him or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it. Indeed, I cannot. Beautiful story, right? He's saying here that I wish I could be quiet, but I can't because there's a fire in my bone. And because of a fire, there's a fire in my bone, I have to speak out. I have to do what I'm called to do. I believe that one of the things that we need for us to be persistent, one of the things that we need for us to make a difference in wherever God has planted us, in our marriage, family, work, um, mission, um, ministry, business, is to have a fire in your bones. I think what kept Jeremiah able to persevere is because he had a fire in here. A fire that was stronger than a position, a fire that was stronger than even his emotions, a stronger that was even it was higher than, than what was around him beyond what he saw, where he saw the Babylonians coming down and the Egyptians coming up and seeing the leadership of Israel, as Judah living according to the ways of the world and following other gods. He was able to do what he was called to do because he had a fire in his bones. And I believe that's my need and that is our need when it comes to what we're called to do. We need to have a fire in our bones. So what I'm talking about this morning is that I'm not talking about a good self-help book. I'm not talking about what you can do in the flesh. When it comes to salvation, I can't save myself. The gap, the separation between God and myself is too big. And I see myself always as a sinner, and I can't approach God. I need it to have substitution, and Christ is the answer. When it comes to sanctification, I can't be like Christ on my own. I need help. I need the reality of the Holy Spirit inside of me because it's him in me that makes me more like him, right? When it comes to glorification, one day to have a, a new body, and in that body, I'll have more hair and, and uh, bigger arms and maybe a little taller, hopefully, if God can hear my request. Uh, talks about glorification. There's nothing I can do about glorification. It's the story of God. And when it comes to my walk, I cannot listen. Listen to this. I cannot remove the supernatural. I cannot believe that my Christian walk is based on what I can do. You know... As Christians, we believe in the supernatural. We have to. Because salvation is supernatural. Sanctification is supernatural. And glorification is supernatural. So the thing is, when it comes to my walk, it has to be supernatural. And the only way I can do what I'm called to do is when I have a fire in my bones. Come on. I need to have a fire in my bones. I need to have a fire in my heart. When it comes to my marriage, when stress arises, I need to have a fire clothed, do something about it. When my kids are doing this or going there, I, I need to have a fire about it. When my church is, whatever, going through a hard time, I need to have a fire about it. When I look at my community and the needs that are around and people that are not following the Lord, I need to have a fire about it. When I look at my nations, my nation and nation of this world and the decisions that are making, I need to have a fire in my bone. That will lead me to pray. That will lead me to make a difference. That's what I need. 
I need a fire in my bones. And I can't have this fire in my bones. I really can. When I, when I present myself before the Lord and I say, God, I want to be a godly influence in the realm that you've placed me. I can't do it. Place a fire in my bones. And I believe that he can. He can arise in you. The same thing that happened to Jeremiah. If you look at the story later on, in the same chapter, he wants to die. He wants to curse the day he was born because he's dealing with depression and the challenges are so hard. But he still spoke out and he still did what he was, able to, what he was called to do, not because he was able, but because there was a fire in his bones. Right? Can you say to your neighbor, fire in, in our bones? Can you do that? Fire in our bones fire in our bones, right? need to have that fire burning inside that arises in me. Like the same fire that arises on Samson when he took the door of the sealers, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. For us, it's the fire that burns inside of us that arises. You know where you say to the, the enemy, no more. When you say to yourself, I'm, I align myself uh, in following God, and God, I, I, I rely on you, and, and I know that you want to arise in me, so I give you the room to do that. I give you the room to arise in me. So he was able to persist because there was a fire in his bone. You know, when it comes to life, we know that life is not an easy journey, right? You might be going through a beautiful patch right now. Praise the Lord, enjoy it. Because there's going to be a curve, there's going to be a hill, and winter is on the way, right? <laughs> Sorry, guys, but <laughs> it's on the way, right? And what do you do when winter is on the way? What do you do when life is rough? You know, um, you know one of the things that we're called to do is to focus on Jesus. Focus. We, we all have expectations, right? We, we all have things that we thought it would be like, and you hope that this will happen, and it doesn't. What do you do meanwhile? You've got to focus on Jesus. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And, and, and the, actually, the series is based on Hebrews chapter 12, where you have the cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on, and we're called to run the race, uh, and having our eyes or focus on the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know, what really matters when it comes to life, it's not the curves and it's not what's ahead, is that we keep our eyes on Jesus. If I keep my eyes on, on Jesus wherever I am, you know what, I, God will intervene. And, and, and I think it's important to realize that when I have my eyes on Jesus, I will see him work in my life. It's like Peter when he walked out of the boat and he stepped out of the boat, sorry, and he walked on water according to the calling of Jesus. And then he started to look at the wave and what happened, he started to sink because he stopped focusing on Jesus and he started to focusing, focus on the waves. I think that the biggest challenge, you want to put, put that up there, the biggest challenge the biggest challenge in life is to keep my eyes on Jesus. I don't know if it's a slide. I thought it was a slide. But it's to keep your eyes on Jesus. It's the biggest challenge. Because there's so many things that comes your way that wants to throw you off course. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus, wherever you are. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And as you keep your eyes on Jesus, there you go, yeah. Uh, you keep your eyes on Jesus, what's going to happen is that he will be there and he will intervene. And, and what happens when you keep your eyes on Jesus is that you're not looking at the things that are around you that you should focus on because my priority is to focus on Jesus because life is not easy. I need Jesus in the picture, right? The third, the third um, characteristic that we find in Jeremiah is that he had hope. He had a hopeful heart. And I think that's a huge component. Even if it was 
horrible and it seemed to be a dead end. You, 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 I'll, I'll read this text portion, a portion of it, and I'll explain it. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 24. See how the siege ramps are built up to take the city. Now they're seeing the Babylonians just, they, they siege the town, and now people are hungry, and people are, 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 are sick, and now, that's, now is the time to take over the city because there's no more resistance. So it says, because of the sword, the famine, and the plague, the city will be handed over to the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened as you now see. And though the city has been handed over to the Babylonians, you, O sovereign Lord, see to me, buy the field with silver and have, uh, and have the transaction witnessed. So it's a funny text, right, if you stop here. Don't read what's next, okay, please? Keep your eyes low, okay? Um, so what he's, it's, kind of, it's kind of weird because you don't buy a field in a crisis like this. The town is being taken over. Like, who's going to be the owner of the, of, of the promised land? Or why buy land? What God was saying to Jeremiah is that you'll be back. It's not over. Yeah, the town is being taken over by the Babylonians. But go and buy some land because one day I will restore the land. One day Nehemiah will come and build a wall. And 70 years from now, Ezra will stand before the people and will preach or read the word. It's going to be one of the greatest revival that Israel has ever encountered. And also, Zerubbabel will rebuild the temple. So it's not done. It's not over. Go and buy land because I'm not done with you. I'm not done with your land. I'm not done with your family. I'm not done with, I'm not done with your country. Pretty cool, right? And look what, what after what happened. He says, then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Wow. Is anything too hard for me? Because to, be, to see a town be burnt down, to see the elite be deported to another city so that they can be retrained and reprogrammed, brainwashed, and to see after this, uh, to see a city be restored is basically impossible. But God is saying to Jeremiah, I can do it. There's hope in God. There's hope in God. And the story is hindsight. We know what happened. Nehemiah did come. Ezra experienced that revival. Uh, Zerubbabel built the temple. And Israel was restored. And, and, and it was an amazing journey. And it, it was preparing for the Messiah that, that was to come. And, and Jesus came in Israel based on what happened here, right? But the story is we're not allowed to give up, right? And that's what God was saying to um, Jeremiah, even though what you see seems to be impossible or very hard, I have a plan. I have a plan of restoration. And I think we need to have that mindset. I, I believe that we need to live a life of hope. Right? Right? We need to have a life of hope, even though what we see seems to be horrible. i got to believe that in all this, God has a plan. I've got to go buy some land. Now, don't leave here and buy land, but... Go, but go and buy land. Go and buy land, Jeremiah. Well, God, what, what do you mean? This land is being taken by a cruel, and the Babylonians were, were cruel people. So why would I buy, buy land? Because you'll come back one day, or your kids will come back one day. I, I think that's so amazing. So, so you, you, you look at this story here. We see the need of persistence. And I'm going to wrap up with Jeremiah 29, verse 11, that you know that we use these verses in every sauce, a beautiful verse. But it was given to the Israelites, or the Judah, 
for them to come back to the promised land. And it's as the, we're going to pr- come back to the promised land. It goes with my intro. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plan to prosper you, not to harm you. Plan to give you a hope in the future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Uh, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. See, I will bring you back from captivity. I'm not done. This is why I said to go by, by land because I'm not done with you. And this is, the, this is what God was looking. God was looking for a people that would search God of all of his heart. It's the same thing today. The key thing is very simple, right? Very basic when it comes to Christianity. It's to see God with our heart. It's not about the show. It's not about the building. It's not about nothing else than a raw search of God, a pursuit of God. And when we are on this pursuit and the desire for God, God shows up. Man, it's so, it's so awesome. And that's what we want to see in our lives. Um, this morning, uh, I believe that there's some of us that... <laughs> We need to put back our focus on Jesus. We've, we're looking at the waves. We're looking at all what is around us. And, and we're missing on his support because we're not keeping our eyes on him. Um, I believe that some of us, um, you look at what's before you and you see, I can't. I just can't. It's too hard. I've, it, it's beyond repair. I can't. Well, it was the same thing with Jeremiah. I believe that Jeremiah was called to be a prophet at the age of 13. So it's a young age, right? I can't be a prophet. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And, 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 and God wants to tell you this morning that you can. That whatever is before you, with him in you, with, you, with him with you, you can do it. And it maybe if you lost hope this morning, God wants to say, hey, don't lose hope. Buy a field. Come on. Take a risk. Go forward. Don't quit. And the last point I wanted to share this morning that was on my heart, are some of you, yeah, you stopped dreaming. You got to start dreaming again. You got to start dreaming again. Come on. Well, circumstances in your life or busyness of life, like ask God to give you a dream or restore the dream. Like God said, what Paul said to Timothy, stir up the, fa- the flame in your heart. Restore that passion or that newness or that, that, that desire or that calling that, that, you res- that you had in your heart. So my challenge for you this morning is say, God, Use me for your glory as we start this fall. Place yourself before the Lord and see what God's going to do and where God's going to lead you. Amen? I would ask you to stand and invite the worship team to come. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. And and we pray that you would put a fire in our bones. Uh, Give us a fire in our bones for our relationships. Give us a fire in our bones for your calling. Give us a fire in our bones for you, for a walk that honors you. I just pray that you would arise in us, Holy Spirit, in a new way. That we would be like Jeremiah, that even though there's a lot of tension around that I would be able to do what I'm called to do because of the fire inside. I'm just going to give you a moment just to talk with the Lord and ask Him to place a fire in your barn regarding maybe a certain domain in your life. Fire for lost souls, whatever it might be, whatever comes up. Say, God, give me a fire for this.
If you lost hope, say, God, I, I want to jump back on, on that horse and I want to go forward. I want to believe that you will make a way. Maybe you've, like I said, lost your dream and you're just floating, you're just coasting right now. And you say, God, okay, here I am. So a thought. Refresh, renew, revive that dream. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we come before you. We place ourselves available. Come and move upon us. Come and move in me in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the GMC podcast. For more info about what's going on this week, check out gmchurch.ca. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week.